Hello, I'm Sean. I'm an academic. And I'm Drew, a theatre director and choreographer. We know it sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. An academic and a choreographer walk into a bar. Yes, sounds like the beginning of the worst joke ever. But our unlikely friendship was born from a shared passion. We believe that theatre is the art of collaboration. And that can be hard with many confusing titles and departments. Yes, we have to not only understand what people do, but why they do it. And that's why we made the theatre blueprint. Each episode, I speak to a leading artist in their field. And shed light on the inner working of their department. There's so much to find out, so let's roll up our sleeves, put on our safety goggles, and start digging. You're really committed to this building metaphor, aren't you? Yes. Yes, I am. Let's get on with the show. The performing arts can be an incredibly tough industry on the body, and having a skilled team of medical professionals on hand to keep the company in top condition is incredibly important. I'm really excited to be talking to Richard Lewis now about his position as an osteopath within the blueprint of theatre making. Welcome, Richard. Hello. Hello, Drew. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, I'm so, so pleased that you could be here. I know that you are literally one of the busiest men in show business, and which is partly my fault sometimes, because I, I know that I've, as a choreographer, I've, I've worked on a fair few shows where it's immediately like, send them to Richard quickly. Um, and I know that I have a, I, I am hugely indebted to you because I know that you have single-handedly, um, or rather with both of your hands, got my shows to keep running through, through many complicated times. And so I'm really grateful for you to take the time to talk to us because I know just how important you are to the end product of theatre and I'm, and I'm excited about um, introducing that idea to so many other people because you're, you're a kind of a secret weapon uh, within the within the theatre community. <laughs> so could we perhaps start Richard with you you know introducing yourself and, and explaining a bit about what it is that you do? Yes well um, my name's Richard and I'm an osteopath so I'm a musculoskeletal specialist if you like um, my training is at a uh, master's level, um, and it's all about the body. Um, I, I know about how we move and all the systems of the body, how things operate together. And, yeah, I work with injuries, um, performance, everyday people, just to help people be, you know, work and live out of pain and function normally. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, as I was training as a dancer, I realised that so much of my pain was was kind of from held tension a lot of the time and 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 kind of those can lead to injuries you know bad technique can learn to, to, to kind of lead to injuries I mean do you find that there is a big difference between the injuries that somebody presents to you uh, that, that are people that come from the arts as opposed to people who you know kind of work in other jobs is there big differences in what type of injuries you see between those two types of people uh, yes I'd say so um what what I would say is that um, common things happen commonly and really what you see is people that do specific types of things get the same types of injuries so for people that sit at desks all day they often get the same type of um, recurring problems whether it's repetitive strain with their hands or poor posture and problems with their neck um, and with dancers and performers it's similar because they're doing the same types of um, movements um, repetitively, um, they can also get repetitive injuries and problems. Often, it's also quite unique and specific to the role they're playing at that time. Uh, if you think about people on stage performing, often they're doing the same role and they're doing that eight, nine shows a week. And so if they have to do something, they're doing that over and over and over again. That repetitiveness, that can cause injuries and that's 
um, often what I help to highlight to them how something's come about and how they can go about preventing it or managing it so they can keep doing those eight or nine shows a week uh, without further problems. Yeah, I mean, I, I know from, from my memories of, of being a dancer that the position of a physiotherapist or an osteopath is, is a really important one, not, not just because of the physical requirements of and that, that kind of, uh, you know, strain that's put on the body, but also a kind of emotional one. You know, I think what is maybe interesting to think about for people who are listening into this that aren't perhaps dancers is that, you know, it's like if you're a musician, you work with a, a, a violin, or if you're a painter, you work with a paintbrush, but for a dancer or for a performer, their instrument is their body. And so having that kind of entrusting that um, into the hands of somebody else is, is a really kind of important uh, and uh, quite a personal, you know, kind of a special relationship in a way. And one of the things I remember is that actually the physiotherapists and the osteopaths that I see, they, they kind of also become therapists because <laughs> you're kind of entrusting this um, this process onto somebody. Do, do you find that in your job, Richard, that actually you, you find that your job does bleed over into, into things outside of the scientific? Absolutely. And it's a really important fact that, uh, point you just made um, because you know, we're made up of, um, yes, our minds and our bodies and our thoughts and our influences, our experiences, our friends, our family. All of that goes into to us and to perform, to, to do anything, we're going to be a result of those, those combination of things. So, yes, when someone comes in to the clinic with an injury, I'm not just looking at, you know, their, their knee or their elbow or their back. Um, I'm looking at a person and I'm trying to understand what has made that person come to me what has made them um, the person they are and it's it's not easy but um, with time and with a bit of intuition and experience you realize that there's a lot more going on and you do become a therapist and sometimes when a person comes into my treatment room it's more about me connecting with them and having a conversation with them than it might be me actually treating their injury uh, sometimes it actually uh, it's more about me treating their injury than, than connecting with them as a person. Sometimes I just need the space um, and being on a bed, being able to be away from everyone else and have that time is equally as healing. So it's very different with every, everyone, but it's important to know how to, to look at those things and bring them together when necessary. Obviously, you're in a very can be in a very complicated situation whereby obviously the producers or the choreographer, some you know pain in the bum like me, is trying to get that dancer back on stage because you know I know their value, and yet your understanding of of um, the person becomes really invaluable without you know in kind of reporting back to us by saying I think this person needs this amount of days rest. I think this is the process this person needs to go through. And would I be right in thinking, Richard, that your you kind of you know your prognosis of of how much time somebody might need to recover from something isn't always physical sometimes it's about where they're at emotionally 100% yes yes that's that's very true um and I suppose that's the most difficult part of what I do when it's relative to people needing to perform um because I I sort of bridge this gap between working directly with the person in front of me um and doing what's best for them and also working with the theatre company the, the, the performance um, and helping to keep this person performing and being on the stage. Yeah, sometimes for an average person, I might say, yes, you do need rest or time away from what you're doing so that you can, you can recover or do these things. Um, but for a person who needs to be back on stage right away, it might be that I can manage them differently, you know, that we can 
um, we can take something up or we can um, modify what they do so they can keep performing without making things worse. So it's always it's a bit difficult, but it's important for me to try and bridge that gap and do what's best for both sides. But equally, as you say, sometimes the break they need or the recovery they need might be something more emotional. And there's been many, many occasions when people have been here and I can see that they're worn down. They're worn down emotionally, mentally, physically, and they might not be necessarily a real injury, but there's a barrier to recovery because they don't have the strength or resilience um, mentally, emotionally, whatever it might be, and that's where they need to recover before they can continue. Gosh, that's fascinating. It must be such a, a hard call, that, because you're dealing with um, you're dealing with somebody already working on empathy, you know, in terms of being able to have those kind of conversations, because when you're not in that state of exhaustion, you're able to be quite pragmatic about, okay, well, this, this is what I need. But in the moment, you know, and I think it's hard for dancers because you know, it isn't what we do, it's what we are. Um, and so you're you're dealing with somebody who's um, who's so tight, whose identity is so tightly wound within what they do and that the, the, the kind of the inability to do what they are, if that makes sense, is, um, is kind of profoundly complicated. I think um, something that you said earlier that that I, I really, really resonate with as, a, as an ex-performer is that, I think that very often the kind of people that you're seeing are those who are doing um, the more extreme physical exercise within theatre. So you are you are dealing, I would imagine, with mostly the dancers. And very often within music theatre uh, in particular, dance is used predominantly by the ensemble. And so I think that what you talk about, that sometimes people need the space to be able to be on being a one-to-one -one situation and be able to be listened to and some space to kind of talk about the things that they're worried about physically um is very uh, it's really important i do think that kind of gets offloaded on the physios and on the osteopaths on the masseurs in a way that i just wonder you know it's something i've always wanted to try and create more of in in my own work but space for those dancers in particular to feel like they're heard on a one-on-one -on -one, um basis rather than having to always be speaking as a group and i think that it's it's amazing to think about all the different ways that, that your job is so vital. Could you tell us a bit about how you got into doing what you do? I just know there's probably quite a few people listen to this that there's maybe some things that you've said that they didn't realise was part of it of an osteopath's job, and maybe have got are like oh that maybe that's something that I could be interested in getting into myself. Like what 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 is the process for somebody to to kind of be in your position, and what was your journey to it? My journey started around the age of twelve. <laughs> um, first seriously getting into martial arts and kung fu in particular um so it's then where i realized that my um despite being um a shy child that um i could express myself through movement um and i could learn how to um defend myself but also do something that was quite beautiful in in um, visually and and physically and that also built up my mental sort of resilience and strength and as I learned how to control my body and push through mental boundaries through this physical art um, I, I just really got interested in in the body and I, I did martial arts for many many years um, 20 plus years and in that time I got into competitions and um, I used to teach and things like this and it became a point where uh, a friend of mine said, oh, you should go and get some treatment. You know, you, you train, you know, four or five times a week and you teach classes. 
and I just took it as the aches and pains that I felt was all part of it. You know, that, that made me feel good, like I'd put some effort and hard work in. And then I, I was um, offered a treatment by someone and I had that done. And I remember it was about three days before quite a big competition I had. And I came out of that treatment room feeling like I had a new body, like someone had just given me new arms and legs. And I was just blown away by it. And I felt this is what I should be feeling like all the time. Three days later, I went into that competition and I had no fear, no worry about my, my body. I felt like I could do everything that I've trained to do. And it meant that my mind was at rest. And when my mind was at rest, I, I basically went in and I won quite easily. And that made me think, I wish I could give this to other people that I train with. You know, that fizzled out. And then later on, in another competition, I, had, I got an injury. And then I saw a therapist who not only diagnosed me, but said, yes, you can get back to doing your art if you do what I say, in this amount of time, you can get back to competing and fighting and training. And they were right. They were absolutely right. Six months later, whatever it was, I was back to doing everything I said I would. And so that made me think, I'm very good at training, putting in the effort, pushing through boundaries, but I have no idea about injuries. And so I started to study just by myself, look things up, injuries and how to prevent things and recover from things. And... That sparked my interest again. Later on, another injury point, um, I met an osteopath and this person's knowledge blew my mind. I was like, how, how on earth do you understand so much about the body and, and you know all its intricacies? And I said to myself, that is what I want. So I started on the journey to becoming an osteopath. Five or seven years later, I qualified and I've never looked back. As I've, as I've been going on, I've been helping friends and um, family and people that I know that, that are in any sort of performance and um, athletes. Yeah, I've learned as I've gone on and I've continued to um, challenge myself physically in my, my training. And so I'm always learning and always understanding how I can apply that to other people. That's amazing. I mean, the idea of, of somebody, you know, like you acknowledge that you were quite a shy kid and then getting to the place now where you're able to make such a big impact to so many people through through what you do. And one of the things that's been so exciting about this podcast so far for me has been listening to people who the, the technical job on paper is quite like scientific or, or technical or electrical or whatever. But we're starting to really realise through these conversations how much creativity comes into it. So, you know, what, what you were talking there was... Uh, about you know having having this feeling of freedom that that this practitioner had given you that you were able to go in and perform because your your emotions and your mind was in a calm place and you know that that it's just so fascinating and I think that you just realize how the kind of you know so much of what we do in theatre is is kind of leaping into the imagination uh, you know and and how many people's imagination it takes to get that one person into one place so I think that's really extraordinary. And do you think um, if you were to be talking to somebody who was thinking about getting into being a, a, a physio or an osteopath or a masseuse, you know, do you have any advice? Is there anything that you kind of wish you knew at the beginning of your journey that you know now? Yes, I, I would say, um, well, the most common question I get asked is, what's the difference between a physiotherapist and a, an osteopath? And everyone you ask will give you a different, different response. And truthfully, um, you can get practitioners that practice differently they practice like the other so um, an osteopath might be um, more hands-on 
um, and do much more hands-on treatment. Uh, physiotherapists may do much more exercise prescription to resolve an injury. Um, and there's no one correct way. Um, it's just about you know, what, what skills you choose to, to use to get a result. What I would say to anyone thinking about getting involved in this industry is to just take some time to find someone that you feel practices in a way that you, you like or even that you don't like. Contact them and try and spend some time with them. Now, I have many people that come in here and, and shadow me. You know, they sit in on a couple of sessions and they see how I operate, how I communicate, um, the sorts of modalities I use for treatment. People that, that know me know that I use a lot of dry needling, you know, medical acupuncture. Um, I also do those sort of manipulations, the, the sort of clicking and cracking that people often get addicted to on YouTube videos. But I, I don't rely on any one of those things. And as I said before, sometimes a session might be just with me more talking to someone uh, than doing a lot of hard, hard treatment. So definitely it's worth seeing a range of different therapists, spending some time with them, talking to them. Um, and seeing which aspect of this sort of field they might want to get into. Either, either way, once, once you're into it, um, what happens generally is that you bring out the person um, and the therapist you want to be from your experiences. So uh, that's what's important, I believe. What is your favourite thing about your job? Why do you love your job? Ah, great question. Well, I, I absolutely love my job. I love the fact that I'm learning all the time. I love the fact that every person that walks into my clinic is different. I might have three people that kept coming with the same ankle injury, but they're three different people. And so connecting with those people individually is, is really important for me. But also what I love, I love educating people as well. So when someone comes in, I like to be able to say to them, your body is your tool. You should know more about your body than I do. And, you know, through the things that you do, through understanding that your body is a result of your, your mind, your food, you know, your sleep, all of these things play a part. And if I can educate them to become masters of their own body, it means that when they go back into their field of, of work, of exercise, whatever it is, they will learn how to be the best they can be at whatever they choose to do. Um, and it's that's a never-ending journey. But you know, if a dancer comes into me and, and and has a problem with something, and I can say, look, I can see physically that you're doing this, that's causing your problem. And then when they go back to doing that thing, now they will have an awareness of that, and they can choose to do that differently, and they can understand the effect if they do it one way or another way, and they can take that into everything else, everything else they do. And that's the same with every single person, which is I find fascinating. I suppose that's what I love most about what I do. Once again, thank you so much, Richard, for coming and talking to us. I know that you're probably about to leap into an entire day's worth of, um, of people coming and, and asking you to fix them. But on a personal note, I, I, like I said at the beginning of this, I'm incredibly appreciative for the amount of time and energy you put into the support of dancers and performers. It's very important to me. And, um, and I, I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. So thank you. Thank you, Drew. It's been a, been a pleasure. I'm glad to be of, of service and of help to to you in the theatre industry and I will uh, continue to do my best as much as I can. Richard brings recovery and resilience into our conversation and um, I am of course grateful for that. I'm also, and I mean this the way I'm saying it, I'm also really grateful that we don't quite know what the right title is for him. 
osteopath, physiotherapist, and part of our podcast series is for us to learn what we should be calling people. So we know he's an osteopath, and we know that one of the things that he's talking about is, which I thought was extraordinary, was um, how to help performers, um, and more broadly than that, I guess, not feel they have to live with and perform out of pain. And both of you are a dancer, Drew, and I, I, I love dance. And of course, I was brought up with the mantra, well, if it hurts, then you're probably doing it right, which doesn't have to be the truth. And I think there's something really interesting around of myths about suffering for art, hurting, but also around the length of a career and what happens to bodies and emotions when you're repeating work and repeating steps as well as repeating work. And I know that you have found with some of your choreography that power of repetition and what it does to the audience and to the theme. So building in somebody to make sure that that performer is able to take repetition in the right way to recover and then have the resilience. It's extraordinary, extraordinary skill set. Well, that's right, because even within repetition, we're asking the, you know, because there's the repetition of a, of a show that is happening eight times a week. And then there's the repetition of the physical action that's happening within that one show. And so you know, as a performer, we're always asking um, ourselves to uh, create newness within the repetition. So if we are choreographically being asked to repeat a step over and over, we have to ask us sort of, why are we doing that? And of course, the, we, we hope the answer isn't because the choreographer is lazy. Um, but like, there's obviously, we want to find sense into what this repetition, the same with a, you know, a repeated lyric in a song would need to find newness. And so that's where the interplay between a physical strength to be able to deliver that repetition um, is matched with uh, sort of like a mental well-being or a, a sort of a wellness emotionally to be able to find newness in the repetition and I think for you know people who are in performances that go eight times a week we have a responsibility to our audience I always remember somebody saying to me that remember that every single show there will be somebody in the audience that might be their first time they've ever come to the theatre and you have a responsibility to make them keep coming back and there also might be somebody in the audience for which it's their last time they come to the theatre. And so you have a you have, you know, each audience is special and we have a huge responsibility to serve them. And because that is our job. And um, and so in order to be able to find out how we find newness and sort of mental well-being, I sort of try to stay away from mental strength. But, you know, because we don't always have to be strong. Um but I think that that, uh, that that really highlights why people who are in these positions of of kind of like care um, in terms of like physiotherapy and um, how intertwined that is when sort of resilience goes across the spectrum. I think that is a new thing, or, or certainly when you and I were, because, you know, Sean, you obviously, you were a dancer as well. <laughs> and so that's why you understand these things, that um, that sort of the, the no pain, no gain thing is is shifting um and I, I think that's a really healthy thing to be thinking about oh, gosh I do too and I think that reframing which of from resilience to understanding your fragility and how to combat it is is much healthier too and he spoke about two things which I thought were so moving one was um about him understanding that somebody is trusting their body to him and that's that brings such a sense of vulnerability and fragility 
and them understanding that it's not just a part of their work it's them um and that ability uh, or sort of of his to not just see you as a set of muscles and sinews that need to be fixed or strengthened but actually uh, his understanding of yourself and your identity and if you're injured and you can't do what you see yourself as being able to do the complexity of that is really hard so actually that although he talks about recovering resilience I think his understanding of fragility is is so beautiful. Each week, I ask our guests the same question, and this is my favourite bit. I ask them, what does theatre mean to you, and why is it important? Uh, <laughs> to me, theatre is an escape. It's an escape from reality, I suppose. To be able to see people with such skill and, and talent across the board, it's, again, it's not just the people you see in front of you, but it's um, sitting in an environment and taking in you know, the audience alongside you the lighting, the set, and creating something magical. I don't know if you want a short answer for this, but again, I, I, think, I, can, <laughs> I think I can go on and on. You've been listening to a Scratch Post production made in collaboration with The Pony Company and Goldsmiths, University of London. Music by Andre Rossi, made available by Upbeat.io. We'd love to hear from you and find out what you want to know about the theatre industry. You can interact with us at Blueprint Podcasts on Instagram and subscribe for our next episodes.